Welcome to Gold Ribbon Conversations, the podcast created to support families fighting childhood cancer in Ireland. Six children, adolescents and young adults are diagnosed with cancer every week in Ireland. And the Gold Ribbon, which illuminates precious light and love and courage and compassion, is a symbol of strength and solidarity for each and every one. My name is Sinead O'Moore, and it is my privilege to bring you these episodes on behalf of Childhood Cancer Foundation Ireland, a charity funded by and led by parents of children with cancer, who know that one of the greatest sources of support for this fight is conversation. Throughout this podcast, I talk to survivors, fighters and parents who have lost, as well as the experts who care for our children's health and happiness. Yes, we talk about the fear and the sadness, but we also talk about the hope and the friendship and the community that exists here because you are not alone. As a non-government funded organisation, Childhood Cancer Foundation Ireland values every single donation while on its mission to help more children survive cancer and thrive as adults and support all those dealing with the long-term effects of illness and trauma. You can help by sharing this podcast and by texting GOLD to 50300 and donating four euro or visit childhoodcancer.ie for more. Caring for children fighting cancer is more than just medical. Children need emotional support from people who can help them process what's going on, what's going to happen and give them ways to show how they feel. And one of the greatest methods of all is through play. In this episode, I'm joined by Rebecca Walsh, a play specialist on St. John's Ward in Crumlin Hospital, to talk about the power of play, how valuable her work is, and why children need a childhood that is full of fun. Cancer treatment no doubt can save lives, but through play, we can give our children an incredible life. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. This is a really important one because from the conversations that I've had already, I've really understood that when it comes to treating children with cancer, there is so much more that needs to be addressed other than just the medical treatment. Mm-hmm. And what I just think is so brilliant about what you do is you, you let them be children. You help them play. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's the main part of our role. So we would initiate not only specialised play, but normal play. Play would be how all children, whether they're in hospital or at home or in school, would learn. And that's their, that's their key element of learning is through play. So we try and enforce that as much as possible, even in a hospital environment, to try and normalise the whole journey that they're going through. How early on do you meet the children? So we would meet them from the the get-go. So before they even get their Hickman line in, we would go to the other wards and explain what the Hickman line is going to be for and explain their whole journey with them. So we would liaise very closely with parents, obviously, at, at that early on stage, because sometimes parents wouldn't have even got to have that conversation with the child or young person yet to tell them, look, this is the diagnosis. This is what doctors and your nurses are after finding and this is the journey that we're going to be on so we would help parents kind of initiate that conversation with the child first before we come in um, and we would 
use play as a therapeutic tool and how to explain their whole journey and what they're going to be embarking on over the next couple of months or years. It's such an enormous thing for adults to try and process. Of course, yeah. It's like a diagnosis like cancer is just such a whirlwind. And a lot of the time, parents never expect it. So they're coming in with something as simple as a temperature and their world is completely turned upside down. So it's great that we kind of have the tools to be able to help them. So for example, before the child gets their Hickman line in, we would bring in a doll or a teddy or a chemo duck, all of which have an actual Hickman line in. So we will be able to show the child, look, this is what you're going to wake up with. This Freddy is going to be for taking all of your chemotherapy, taking your bloods. It eliminates the amount of cannulas you're going to get. And we would always show the children and young people the real equipment that we use. We wouldn't show like fake stethoscopes or thermometers um it's just better for the child to see the real thing they're more prepared for it and presumably for the parents to see the real thing so that they can be more prepared for it because children often are looking to their parents to say is this safe or not absolutely yeah and I think it's a learning experience for the parent as well because at that point they wouldn't have known anything they wouldn't have been able to explain to a child what a Hickman line is if they had never seen one before so it is really good for them to be able to see and prepare themselves for it too. What kind of emotions are you seeing at that point? I I imagine fear is, 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 is going through like how are children responding to that fear? It's at the very start, like a lot of the children may have never been even in a hospital before or introduced to a doctor or a nurse or anything. And to have all of this happening at once, they're suddenly getting ready for theatre as well as the parents as well. It's a complete whirlwind. So we're trying to normalise and help them communicate their fears as well through play as much as possible. And a lot of the time we find with children especially the smaller ones doctors communicate directly with their parents so they may take them out of the room and explain look this is what's going to happen to your child and we're that person who communicates then directly with the child to explain this is what's going to happen to you because it is them that's going to go through it all and it's really important for them not to be left in the dark with it all as well so we would explain it through a child-friendly way obviously we're not going to say the scary things um to them if they don't if they don't need to know so we would say look this is the line you're going to wake up with chemotherapy is a very strong drug that is going to get rid of all of the bad things that's in your body but it's also going to in turn take away some of the good so you may lose your hair and you may feel really tired at times you may feel sick but that just means that this drug is working and it's getting rid of all of the bad things that's in there and it's working How important is it for children to be included like that and for it not to just be happening around them? I think when we look back at hospitals in the past, like if we think of ourselves when we were in hospital years ago as children, I had never had a play specialist if I was in hospital. I'm sure you didn't either. It's kind of a new thing in the last 20 years. And the fear that we all would have experienced from your your mom or your dad or your caregiver being taken out of the room and seeing your mom upset, you know that there's something wrong and there's something going to happen to you. So to have somebody there to say, look, it's nothing to be worried about. They know what they're doing and they're here to help is such a massive thing for a child to be included in their own care. And I imagine we'll help them process it in the long term. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 
it eliminates the whole fear of surprise and fear and anxieties. And even if those things are there, we can help them work through it from the get-go. And if there's anything they don't want done to them, we can communicate that back to the team. So if they say when they're going to theatre, they want a mask instead of a cannula or they want their mum in the room, we can feed that back to the team and help them in that journey, have that safe person there with them. Play is also such a brilliant technique for children to socialise. And being removed from family and siblings and school and friends and long-term stays in hospital with all of these other little strangers can be quite daunting. Have you seen how play can actually bond and, and create friendships? Yeah, absolutely. It's, now we've kind of come full circle with everything going on with the effects of COVID and everything. So when I started, we would have had daily activities in the playroom every day and all of the children who were well and able to come down to the playroom would have, and they would have made friends and they would have been able to see other children with drips beside them and Hickman lines and other children who may have lost their hair. And they would have been able to share their stories, which really helped emotionally with them. Um, but now with COVID, we're kind of back to square one. So it's all one-to-one play-based sessions it's bedside or we've just started being able to bring them back down to the playroom now on a one-to-one basis but we would love to be able to get the group sessions back because we had seen a massive improvement of children and particularly toddlers who may have been just starting preschool have and they've just been recently diagnosed had fallen back in like socializing with other children so that was their opportunity to do so and as i said at the start play is the main way children learn and develop so we try and initiate that as much as possible um but as i said covid has put a little bit of a stop to that but Mm. we're hoping very soon to have all of that back again you mentioned there about toddlers Mm. do you have different ways of encouraging play depending on how old the child is yeah so we would have to every morning silly is with the nursing staff during handover get all the children's information and how long they've been in etc and we would initiate different play-based activities depending on their age I think their emotional stability and everything they're going through some children may need specialized play and some may just need normal play and so we would facilitate that as much as possible explain to me there specialized versus normal what what is the difference there so specialized we there's a couple of different types of play that we facilitate on St. John's Ward and around the hospital. So there's normal play, therapeutic, distraction, procedural and post-procedural play. Um, obviously, distraction would be for if they're getting invasive procedures done to them, we would be there to try and help alleviate some of the stress during that procedure. So we could read a story or we could play music or with the teens, we like to do some mindfulness to try and distract from what's actually going on around them and the stressful situation it can be like for cannulas or for ng tubes or anything like that just to have one safe person in the room is really good and to have that one person who isn't medical and doing things for them that they can say they kind of open up a little bit more to us because they know we're not going to do anything so if they tell us look we i really don't like that or can we do it in an hour or can i have mom here holding my hand we can that back to the team we would liaise with st luke's hospital i'm not sure if you've heard of this yet but um a lot of the children would go over to st luke's for radiation therapy 
So we will prepare them months in advance for this treatment that they're going to have done because it is quite daunting. It's the child is going to be in the room on their own, their mum or dad or caregiver isn't going to be there. And we will be able to prepare them for that to lie still and for their treatment. Um, so that's definitely a big one. We will prepare them for theatre. So we would show them things like the, the mask to help them go to sleep and cannulas. And we could even show them pictures of some of the staff they're going to meet up there. So they're not completely shocked and surprised by all these new faces. Um, and we would show them things like the recovery room then after. So they know they're always coming back to John's because I think with the smaller ones who were just starting on their journey, that's their fear that they're going to this new place and they may not come back. So we like to ensure them that they're coming back to John's, their mum, dad, whoever is looking after them is going to be there and there will be nice fun activities for afterwards. So trying to put a positive string on everything is really important. It sounds like giving back some reassurance and control. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When a child or a young person is diagnosed, that sense of control can be kind of taken away from them. Like we have, all of us are saying, you have to take your medicine and you have to get your observations done every three hours and you have to go to theatre. And that is kind of taking control back, even though the meaning of it is obviously it's what they need to have done. But to try and say to them, look, you don't have to do it in this way. You can choose if you want to get your observations done in an hour or you can choose if you want to go and play before theatre. So giving them back that control is really important. We often hear that play is like if, if a child who's not sick is asking, will you play with me? It's often a sign that they just they need that connection. Yeah, they need yeah. to communicate something. They might be afraid of something or have had a tough day, but they don't know how to talk about that. They just say, "Will you play with me?" Absolutely, yeah. We would see that a lot, like the some of the things we use, like dolls, for therapeutic play. We see have how children communicate through the play. So, our doll uh, could be going for a procedure, could be going for theatre, and we could say, "Oh, how do you think this doll would react?" Or, "What do you think would make this?" better if the doll was sad and they would communicate their feelings through that so they could say what their favorite thing to do is or if mum was present and we would be able to kind of understand that translation they're using through the through the play then have you seen particular examples or have you seen the particular benefits shine through a child you know that you might have met who was you know, not communicating, very anxious and afraid. And through those tools, through these techniques, through the incredible empathy that you show these children, have you seen how the importance and the value shine through? Yeah, fortunately, we get to see that almost every day. We see the journey that the children have been on from the day of diagnosis or the day they get their line inserted to a month down the line. And the difference in them is incredible. They could be so anxious with any interventions at the start. Naturally enough, it's a completely unusual setting for them to be in. They're gone from being in school to being in the hospital. And of course, they're going to be anxious. And the growth in them and resilience that they show is incredible. And it is definitely down, well, a huge chunk of it is definitely down to play and be able to have that person that they trust we're very lucky on John's to have amazing staff throughout and all of the nurses and doctors and down to the household girls are great with all of the children on the ward. So they know that the, 
the team they're dealing with is safe, but play definitely gives them their voice back, essentially. What made you want to do this? When I finished school, I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I definitely knew I wanted to be involved in paediatrics somewhere. Um, so I went and I done a PLC in a pre-nursing course. And it was here that I heard about play specialism and I had never heard of it before that. As I said, I had never seen one when I had been in hospital or been at the doctors or anywhere else. And I just thought that it was such an easy but amazing tool to give a child in hospital to be able to express their emotions, to work through any fears and anxieties they have and to just normalize their childhood a little bit more. Is, it's incredible. It's a really lovely job. And I'm very lucky to be one of 14 of us in Crumlin. For the past five years, the Childhood Cancer Foundation has funded the play specialist position on St. John's Ward, providing children with this life-changing support. As a non-government funded organisation, this is made possible because of generous donations made by people like you. To help our services, please text GOLD to 50300 and donate €4 Euro, or visit ie for more. You must have tough days too. Definitely. I think, especially on St. John's Ward, it's a lot of the same patients we would see over time. Um, so they come in and out for their chemotherapy and treatments very frequently, and we would always see them back. And as a result, you do form relationships with them. And there is times where, unfortunately, children and young people have passed away, and you do, you, you bring that home which is very tough, but I think it's nice to know that you made their journey up till that a lot easier. And of course, relationships with the parents too. Of course. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We parents have said to all of us on John's that we become like a second family to them. This is their second home. So you, you definitely develop relationships with them and it's very tough to see something as sad as that happen and happen to them you feel their pain and you just empathize with them so much but more good days than bad absolutely definitely we see much more children come out of their treatment well and back at school and back to playing at home than we do see the negative side but but still hard it's still yeah it's still definitely quite tough mentally and physically mm. on all of the staff there but as I said we're really lucky to have such an amazing team I don't think I don't think you could do it if you didn't care definitely you need to have that that ability to empathize with the families and you you definitely you wouldn't be able to do it if you were leaving it at the door I think you need to care that little bit more especially on St John's Word to realize what they're going through is incredibly tough and probably the toughest journey they're ever going to embark on in their life so to be that supportive person, one of the supportive people that they're going to meet along the way is really, really crucial. And of course, it is a journey. And one of the things that the Children's Cancer Foundation Ireland support is the BEADS programme as a way of play and a way of recording every single thing that is going to happen to that child along the way. Tell me more about how, what the value of that is for a child and how you have seen it be such a positive thing on the ward. 
So the Beads of Courage is a resilience-based intervention designed to support and strength, strengthen the children and their families coping with cancer. Throughout their treatment, patients would receive different colourful beads, which each represent a treatment milestone to add to their collection or their string. And CCF have very kindly funded it on St John's Word since 2016. The programme provides something tangible that the child or young person can use to tell their story. So we've heard of parents coming back in and saying that the child brought their beads, their string of beads to school and were able to say, look at how many nights I spent in hospital or look at how many times I had to go to theatre. And it's just that solid, tangible thing that the child can use to tell their story to other people, which is amazing. And a little kind of, I can almost hear it in you that they, they show their bravery through these beads. Uh, Absolutely. And we've seen from different children coming in and out, it offers such encouragement for them. So they know when they come in, if they have to come in for their day of chemotherapy or to come in and get their theatre, they're going to get a bead at the end of the day to represent that milestone that they're after overcoming. And it definitely makes them want to come in a little bit more, can I say? Mm. Um it gives them something to be proud of and to show that what they're after achieving, which is really, really great. And the children have it then for years to come and are able to look back and kind of recognize the journey they're after going on. That, that, that recognition is so important because I'm sure it's such a lonely journey, but yet they go through so much, but to the rest of the world, nobody sees that. Absolutely, nobody sees it. And to be able to explain to other people this is what I'm after going through and other people need to recognize it too is amazing. And we're so grateful to CCF to have funded it for this long because we would be lost without the beads. Definitely. Another part of the Beads of Courage program is about helping siblings understand what's going on. Tell me more about that. So the Beads of Courage have just started in the last couple of years doing a program called the sibling program. So as we know, this journey that the patient is on is also very heavily involved and influ influences the siblings too. So the Beads of Courage have recognised that and created a programme known as the Sibling Programmes. It's a little bit different to the Beads of Courage programme that the patient will be on in a sense that it's not as, as structured. The parents will get to choose whenever they want to give the child a bead. So just say, for example, when they come home from a long stay, they could give them a bead to say you were so brave when when we were in hospital and we're really proud of everything that you're doing too and involves them in it because obviously they're taking kind of a step back and they're not parents aren't as focused solely on the whole children they're re really focused on the sick child and siblings kind of what to say I don't want to say that they fall back but yeah we've we've heard this before on some other episodes how as much as the other siblings understand and obviously want their sibling to be well, they can often feel that they're not the main focus or priority. Absolutely. And through no fault, obviously, of the parents at all, their focus is to get their sick child better. And in turn, siblings can have those feelings of being left behind when they're at home and their parents are in hospital with their siblings. So the Beads of Courage sibling program is amazing to involve them in that and I think when they see their sibling coming home from hospital with toys and beads and everything else it's nice to give them something to to recognize the journey that they are on and to make it and to link it that they're both going through this 
as children. They're both going through this journey. One as a sibling, I get a bead because I'm being, you know, I'm, I'm supporting you and I'm protecting you and I'm taking care of you. And then for the sick child to get it for the, for the hospital visits and stays and treatments. Yeah, that's exactly it. Um, so it's amazing to get them involved too and to recognize their importance and all of this. It is about the whole family together. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And there's parent beads too, which the parents always love to have in the spring too, to see their importance. Um, so it's really good. Tell me more about the, the, the older kids, the young adults. You know, it's, it's, I can see how important it is to get, or maybe how easier it is to get preschool children to engage with play how do you find or what techniques do you use for those older children or those young adolescents for teenagers and young adults it's definitely that bit trickier because they're aware of what's going on around them and to be honest what we use most is just being totally honest with them like they would they would definitely know what's going to happen along their journey <clears throat> So just trying to be that supportive friend to them is actually what works best for us. Pre-COVID, we would have had teen nights and on St. John's where we have a lounge specifically for the teens. So they would be able to go down and all meet together. And they had a WhatsApp group and they were all able to communicate and meet on the ward and discuss their stories, <clears throat> which was really helpful. Obviously, now it's that little bit different, but we still try and facilitate that as much as possible. So we would have pizza nights with them and they would be able to say oh look this day was really crap and I just want to have a bit of normal back and we would be able to give that to them. Do you see the same things kind of coming up in terms of the struggles or the challenges that children and young adolescents experience because of the fighting because of fighting cancer? Yeah it's I think one of the biggest, particularly for the teens, is the hair loss. It's such a difficult thing to have to go through. And as a teenager, your, your appearance is one of the main things you think about. And to have that massive change made to you is, is really hard for them. And then things like even when we think about younger children, to have to stop going to school and to maybe not mix in as much to prevent infections and all the rest so they wouldn't be able to go to play centers with their friends and it's quite difficult for them to do that so to be able to provide some of that on the ward in a safe space is really really great what you're describing I just think it's just it's such an important part of <clears throat> healing like we're using all this medical knowledge and intervention to to, to create healing for their bodies but there's so much more going on than just the physical there's that emotional development social development identity development the autonomy and having fun as a child totally like when we think about a play is the only normal element in an abnormal environment so being in hospital that's the only normal thing that they know so facilitating that is so important and being able to provide for babies developmental play so encouraging them to get out of their cots and to to play like they normally would at home or for the older children to be able to mix and socialize it's really important and studies have shown that when we look back say 30 years ago 
the difference play has made to physical healing is massive. So children who may have not been exposed to play in hospital, their healing time was much slower than children who were. And do they understand why? Do they understand, like what, what has, what has, what I think speeds that up? I think it's the encouragement of being able to get out of bed and to go and nor like be involved in something normal in their lives, like going to a playroom or doing something as simple as baking with them. It, it definitely encourages them the movement and to get out of bed and to want it a little bit more, I think as well, to realize that all of this is for a reason and this is the way life is going to be when everything is finished. Yeah, to give more hope give more hope exactly yeah and to remind them as you said that life is fun yeah yeah it's just it's as adults in hospital it's obviously a traumatizing experience but when we think of a child in hospital to have them quarantined to a room and to not be able to see their friends or their siblings and the rest of their family and to be able to play and initiate all of that is it's definitely um a milestone um, that they would need to overcome. It's such an essential service and kindness that you're showing these children. I just, I'm in awe of the work that you do. And I'm just so grateful that we're, we're at a point in our lives that this is provided for children. Yeah, we would obviously love, play specialism is still not recognized in every hospital in Ireland. So that's our, our aim and our hope to, in every pediatric ward in Ireland, there should be a play specialist available there to alleviate all the fears and to have that safe person there to facilitate normal play and specialized play and to have somebody to talk to that they can trust that isn't just medical is so important. So that is definitely the hope. And I think with the new hospital coming in a couple of years, that's going to be a huge stepping stone for it. I've know it. I know I've seen some of the plans and play is definitely hugely involved in that. So that is the hope. Play specialists actually only came to Crumlin 23 years ago. And before that, we were solely based on CHI volunteers, which are amazing and are still in, heavily involved with us every day. Um, so we have come a very long way from one play specialist 23 years ago to 14, but we still have a long way to go. And we really hope to get that far very soon. Well, you get my vote. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Rebecca, thank you so much for joining us in this conversation and to share the work that you do. And I hope that it alleviates some of the concerns of people listening and helps them realise that there will be people in there who are caring for our children in the way that we want them to feel fun and listened to and to make them feel like children and not just patients. Absolutely. Yeah, that is the hope and as I said post-Covid we hope to go back to much more fun activities on John's and go back to the way we were because it was a much nicer place to be able to do all of that. Aside from play specialists we had people like clown doctors come in and organise activities for them. We had musicians come in and play songs for them. We had um, volunteers come in every day and provide play, normal play activities which was great. So we hope to have all of that back and allow siblings to come in and experience some of this too, which is really important. So important. Thank you for doing the work that you do. Not at all. It's a pleasure. And thank you for telling us about it today. 
no problem at all, Sinead. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this Gold Ribbon Conversation with Rebecca Walsh. There are more Gold Ribbon stories written by those fighting childhood cancer on our website, childhoodcancer.ie, or through the link in our show notes. By rating, leaving a review, or sharing this podcast across social using hashtag Gold Ribbon Conversations, you can help this podcast to reach more families. This podcast was produced by The Brand Story for Childhood Cancer Foundation Ireland, hosted by Sinead O'Moore and sound production by Alan Breslin.